Welcome to the Gay Fathers Podcast. Join us as our guests share stories of coming out, raising kids, and more. Thank you to the Utah Gay Fathers Association for producing this podcast. Interested in sharing your story? Reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org. Okay, I'm here with Kevin, and we're just going to start off. So, Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Kevin. My last name is Rex, and here I am telling my story about being gay. (laughs) I'm here with my husband, David Einbender, and lucky to have him. I'm glad we do so many things together. We love the weekends because we're together. (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess, you know, a little bit about yourself. When did you find out or know that you were gay? Very, very early. I knew I was different, you know, age five and six, you start picking up these clues of how different you are from from other boys. I remember being caught playing Barbies at Grandma's house, and 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 we're actually going to go visit my aunt, who whose Barbies they were, and I've told her the story, and haven't seen her in a long time, though. I wonder if she'll mention about the Barbies and. Anyway, the, my, my sisters were in there playing. Some of the cousins, I think, were in there playing with the Barbies, and I wanted to join them, and so I did. And within a few minutes of, of, of playing, someone, uh, some adult came in, and I don't even remember who it was, whether it was my mom or dad or grandpa or grandma. Someone came in and said, you know, boys don't play with Barbies. And you just get that feeling. I, you can kind of remember, even that early on, that feeling of how different you were and yet you want so much to have the love of your parents and the adults around you that you, you know, okay, I guess I better never play with Barbies again. But my sisters had a Barbie collection and, and so, you know, back in, in life, I would sneak into their bedroom and, and play with Barbies because <laughs> it was fun. But, you know, that, that begins so early on when you start hiding, you start hiding the tiniest details of your life. Mm -hmm. And then at six, you know, about six, we visited my grand grandma Knighton. David and I went to see their old house up in Bountiful. And back in the the family room that they had, grandma had this um, dress up bin, dress up. I think it was an old tin tub. She filled with old dresses and high heels. And again, you know, the girl cousins were back there playing dress ups. And oh my goodness, I wanted to put on high heels and dress up. And so I did and walked out to the living room where all the adults were. And, you know, again, that, that you just sort of <laughs> sense, oh, you know, something's wrong here. Kevin's dressing up. And, and I, I don't remember again who said something, but, you know, you just pick up the vibes. Oh, boys do not dress up. And so... I, I use those two stories often because they're so, you know, they're still so vivid in my mind. But I know, you know, there's so many other little clues that you get at school, at church, and you just learn <laughs> so early on to hide every little thing about yourself. And uh, my mind became so compartmentalized. You know, I'm still in therapy, and that's one thing that we deal with often is, is how compartmentalized everything is in my mind. And here's an interesting thing. When I came out five years ago, I came out on Valentine's Day to my wife. I had never told anyone, no one, not a bishop, not anyone, that I was gay. And very few people sort of would say anything that they thought I was gay. I have one cousin, and then my mother-in-law, my ex-wife's mother, she says she knew from the very first time she met me that I was gay. She picked, <laughs> picked up on it. Anyway, where was I? I was telling a story about something. Oh, when I came out, I had not told anyone. And my wife had no idea. I mean, she was so surprised as to be... I think she had me up on a pedestal of being so perfect, and I was. My gosh, I was, <laughs> was practically perfect in every way. I was mother and father to the kids. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that to denigrate my wife. She is a a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. But she admits, too, she sent the cutest um, 
was it on Father's Day, wasn't mm-hmm. it, David? Yeah. It was. Sent me the cutest email saying how, how much she learned from me in parenting and loving kids. So that was, that was sweet. What was your question? Well, there, I no, just no, coughed. but you left oh, out one important detail. Uh, yes. That when he came out to his wife on Valentine's, oh, yes, on it was Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day yes. she said, oh, that's okay. We just won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that, I think that's probably the, a reaction that's very common. I mean, heck, that's the whole reason gay people hide mm-hmm. is because no one wants to know. Of course, so of course, she didn't want to know anyone else to know. And that created in me such a reaction. I mean, I was I was so mad at the time when she said that. I was like, just get away from me. Mm-hmm. And I immediately separated from her, made plans to get my own apartment. For a little while, we stayed in the same house, but in separate bedrooms and uh, just had a very... I, I mean, I wanted to completely cut it off quickly. There was mm-hmm. so much pain that I had built up. I just wanted to end it quickly. I don't know. Where do we go from here? <laughs> no, 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 Keep going. No, this is really good. So I, I'm going to back up just a little bit Very good. for you. You said that you knew quite early on. How was it going through the school system? Did you date? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> That's so Because you apropos knew. that you asked that. I, I knew for sure that I was gay about age 11 because I went through puberty fairly early. Mm-hmm. And... My father was the scoutmaster, and I was 11 when he was called to be scoutmaster. And so he drug me along to the scout activities. Like, I went to scout camp early. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my goodness, what fun that was <laughs> <laughs> to see those older boys. It was just, <laughs> it was so delightful. Uh, so, you know, about that age, 11, 12, I was like, okay, I, I know inside I'm gay. and And yet... The mind is so wanting to hide it completely and knowing that it was such a sin, you know, that I was under the control of the devil if I even went there to say I was gay. Mm -hmm. I just, again, separated it in your mind, completely put it somewhere else in your mind. I am not that person. I am, I'm going to be totally different than that. I am not that person. And uh, so (laughs) there there it is, so separate in your mind, those, Mm -hmm. those two things. So, did you ever date any girls in school to keep up that they, persona? You know, there's the the Sadie Hawkins dances where the girl asks the guy. I went to two of those, but <laughs> no, I had no interest in dating. I had a couple of girlfriends in in high school who were in the same nerdy area that I was. I was really into to math and not so much sciences, but uh, the languages and advanced placement classes, because I, that was one thing that I, I kind of found a niche in was to be able to excel in, in that area of life. So, you know, I, I got good grades. I was, and, and a couple of those girls we would do things with. And I, I, after my mission, one of the girls, I tried very hard to date her, but, Mm But it just, there wasn't anything there. How, how I ended up with my wife is an interesting story, is because she started chasing me. She's a very outgoing, sassy lady. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly what attracted she me. She had a lot of male energy in her. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's how to put it. David, yeah, it's male energy she had in her, and I was attracted to it. So when she started chasing me up here at the University of Utah, I was like, oh, this works out great. She's chasing me. I don't have to do anything. I'll just let it happen. And within like two weeks, maybe not even two weeks, a week, we decided to get married. (laughs) And I hadn't even kissed her. And so I I, didn't even know that, (laughs) that it was that quick. And then kissed her yet. (laughs) Well, back up just a tiny bit. We did know each other briefly because she served in Peru on her mission. And I did also. And we met there in Peru once and knew a lot of the same people. And so when we were up here at the University of Utah, we were in a Spanish class together. I was helping her because she wasn't good at studies. You know, she, she was trying to get that extra credit. You get extra credit for this Spanish class. Mm-hmm. And I was doing well at it. I loved it. And so she 
sort of hooked up with me to get get the better grade and pass the class. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, started chasing me, pursuing me. And here's a funny story. I, I, I raised my kids on this sort of lie, which I think I've told them now. I'll have to remember. Anyway, during that, you know, time we were dating, my wife and I, I planned the time that we would kiss way in advance, you know, several days in advance, I said, okay, we're going to kiss on this Friday. <laughs> David's Sorry. over here laughing. <laughs> like, who does that? <laughs> a gay man. That's who that's does. A gay man who's going to kiss a woman. And I used that story to Especially with my boys to, to say, oh, look, you can be as chaste as I was. Well, <laughs> sorry, they can't. They couldn't be chaste. I mean, it was a totally different wrong thing. And, oh, I just roll my eyes to the back of my head at how absurd that was. <clears throat> so anyway. So... <laughs> I'm going back into high school. I'm okay. going to get to the That's marriage great. part. I'm glad. We're going to get there, but I just have <laughs> a couple questions. You didn't date very much in high school, so did your parents say what? Did they oh, ever no. come and talk to you and say, no. what? "Why aren't you dating?" They, again, you? I played it up as being so righteous and so perfect. I was the, you know, everything. I was the valedictorian, uh, which is a whole nother funny story in my <laughs> high school. I wasn't a an athlete, and there were four valedictorians that year who all got the same grade point average. Mm -hmm. and so the principal decided, oh, we're not going to, we won't do it. We'll just, we won't have the valedictory speech. There's, <laughs> so he eliminated it that year because there were four of us. Anyway, <clears throat> okay, you were asking about dating. Oh, my parents, no, they, they had no idea. I was perfect. I really was. I was the perfect example. You know, the, my Sunday school teachers, I remember one Sunday school teacher, a, a couple that taught us. I was about 15, 14 or 15. They, they said, oh, Kevin, you are, you're, you're, you act like a returned missionary. You're so, you know, know everything and you're so perfect. And you I, were saintly. I was you were saintly. a true oh, Latter-day Saint. Go. Oh, there we go. He I'm was saint. perfect. Saint Kevin. <laughs> so this brings up, you grew up in the Mormon church and then... You got done with high school. You went on a mission. You mentioned that you went to Peru. Yes. Um, after the mission, you went to college, or started yep. college. Yeah. And that's basically, you've, you've kind of said, you know, you met your wife on your mission because she was there as a missionary too. Is You came back here. You guys met in your Spanish class again. And... Kind of surprised your husband by saying, "In a week, you were, you were." <laughs> yes. Oh, it was. It was. It short. was a very quick. It was a quick. I mean, here, this is where I'll, I'll okay, interject. Go ahead, go ahead. This is what made it so easy because his wife was very beautiful, very sort of, I would say, aggressive, sure of herself, confident. She sort of got to be the man. She pursued him. He knew he was supposed to get married. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. this makes it easy. Here's an attractive woman. We have. I have some sort of a connection. Oh, good. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go chase a woman. You know. <laughs> I mean, his wife never even wanted to have children. No children. The only reason she decided to is because she had to. Because the Mormon Church says we have to. And then Kevin, who loved children and is really like a pied piper with children, it's amazing to see how good he is with children. He got to be mommy and daddy. He played both roles, you know, as a parent, mommy and daddy, and ultimately made, I think, Renee a very good parent. It's ultimately, true. As, right? David's, as David's talking and, and saying that, I think to myself, you know, there's, there's so much irony in the, in the whole situation, but, but in the end, it, it kind of makes a, a good, uh, it made for a good family life. The only thing was everything was internalized. I kept back so much and sacrificed so much for the kids that it's, it, it became so heavy of a burden to carry. And, and at one point I became so jealous of Renee for being able to stay home with the kids. I, that, is, that was my ultimate want. 
was to be be with kids. Well, but I do have to throw in real quick. He really did sacrifice everything for those children, but it was still out of a deep, deep love. And it's evident because all of his children love him so deeply and unconditionally. They all, all of those Mormon kids welcomed me with open arms and with great love and affection and... Um, they're all just happy to see their their dad happy. That's mm-hmm. what they care about. So that's how good of a parent he was, is that though they all, all but now one ultimately left the church, the other four are very strong in the church, mm-hmm. but still deep down, their father comes before the church, loving their father. They, you know, we go and stay with them. There, there's no problem. It, to me, it's a testament on what a great, not only person, but father and parent Kevin, Kevin was and is, yeah. yeah. Thanks, and and I get to share the grandkids with Papa David now, <laughs> <laughs> which is lovely. Yes. <laughs> so you have a very quick engagement. You get married. How did things go? I mean, you just kept, you know, to yourself. Obviously, very private about that part of your life during the marriage. Any. Any issues that come up during the marriage that the, that really kind of rocked it or that caused you to start having issues? At first, the, no, there wasn't too many issues that came up. I, you know, because I had never had any sexual experience at all. Mm-hmm. And she had been sexually active prior. Mm-hmm. The, the sex worked. <laughs> and of course we have five kids so it worked <laughs> <laughs> but in in general no there there were no serious problems we did see a counselor once here at the University of Utah when we were both going to college still mm-hmm. very early on in the marriage I think we we already had Michael our oldest son and Renee had troubles Sexually, she was having a difficult time, so we went to a marriage counselor just once, and then she said everything was fine. And of course, I didn't say anything at all, uh, as usual, I just hid everything, mm-hmm. and it was fine. But as the years wore on, is where the problem came. Is you know, you said <clears throat> that she was having issues, I, I don't want to get into that as much, but I mean, was it issues between you and her sexually? No, it was. It was primarily her feelings of guilt and shame still that she had for sexual from experiences. Prior. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because I, I was wondering, how, did that have an effect on on the relationship between you two? But clearly, you just said no. That no. didn't have anything. No. So later on in the marriage, as time wore on, I just had no sexual desire at all with her, and she attributed it to. <laughs> just old age. Of course, we weren't that old. I mean, I, I would say about, for me, about age 40. Yeah, I just, I started to fall into a, a sort of a depression mm-hmm. related to everything. And work, church, everything I was doing became more and more difficult to do. It was like a... Well, but you're forgetting <clears throat> one key thing. <laughs> work, church... Five children in <laughs> 10 years, one every two years for 10 years, he had five children. And I think that's why there was not an issue, is for both of them, all of their energy, 100%, went into what it takes to raise, to, to raise five kids. And then Kevin, you know, having a quite stressful job, you know, and, and then having to support mm-hmm. moms at home, five kids. He's supporting mm-hmm. six children and all that that takes. So that's why, yes, it makes sense. All the kids were born basically between when you were 21 or 22 and 31 or 32. So now they've all come and now 40 40 years old, it makes sense. It's starting to come up. And and, (laughs) everything that you've given. David really hit on something that that was important, I think, in, in my falling into this depression. After the kids got a little older and we had our, our last child, Annika, and things were fairly smooth in the household. You know, you, you came into a routine. I yearned for kids again. 
And I said to my wife, why don't we adopt? Because I'd already had a, a vasectomy at that time. And, and she absolutely <laughs> was just crazy. No, you know, absolutely. She was a very I, sound mind is what I can very say. Sound yeah. Mind. Yeah. And yes, that was probably good on her part. But I yearned so much. That was my only fulfillment in life, I guess, was, was the kids. It was the kids. Yeah. And so once they are... You know, they grow up and they become themselves and, and you raise them to be independent. That's the whole idea. And mm-hmm. as that approaches, and I think that's why I stayed married for so long. I mean, that's exactly why I stayed married <laughs> that long because of my kids, yes. you know, and very similar story because it, it was the same with me. My kids, we were doing just fine once we had the kids. Right. And, you know, uh, I've been asked before, it's like, well, you're gay. I'm like, yeah. Well, how do you know you're, you, why are you not bisexual? Cause you were married. <laughs> and you know, I'm yes. like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I've gay. gotten that question. Because so you know, they're like, well, but you have kids. So you obviously could do it with a woman. And I was like, that's not the issue. <clears throat> you know, I actually struggled having kids because I couldn't go, you know, I, and I, when you say you couldn't go, you mean it was you couldn't doing being having sex with a woman mm-hmm. was very difficult. Very difficult right? because yes. I li- literally had to imagine myself having sex with a man. Yeah, to to be able to actually climax, and so it was. Um, yeah, it wasn't the easiest thing to do, and so once the kids we were done, that's when our marriage started to break down. Yeah. So same. I mean, you you started getting into a depression. Yes. Yeah. And that's that, and it became so serious that that I knew I had to do something. And there were several things that kicked in that the year before I came out that that prompted me to to come out. It okay, was just too hard. Those. It was too hard to go through. Well, one of them. Um, so you let's first. Okay. You you started with you you started to have depression. So, was that what started all of this process of, okay, it started yes. the other things? Yeah. So, it, you went to counseling? I did. Of course, I, I, when I first went to a counselor, I did not tell her I was gay. Mm-hmm. But she had some generalized suggestions of what to do. Get out and exercise more. Oh, you know, the, the typical things you hear. Yeah. Do something different. Mm-hmm. Stand up and walk. Do, you know, change your brain a little bit. Well, those work for a little bit, and they're they're good but ultimately it's the cause of the whole thing has to be out and the three or four things that happened before I burst out and I say burst because it really it was just absolutely blowing up explosive mm-hmm. Washington State had the gay marriage on the ballot in let's say it would have been November of uh, 2012 mm-hmm. and it passed I voted for it in spite of the rhetoric at church it wasn't as heavy in washington state as the prop 8 stuff Mm -hmm. but because prop 8 had happened there and and in our stake they promoted prop 8 even from washington state clear up in washington you know so when it came to washington i voted it, and my wife and i had a a true bona fide heated argument about that Mm -hmm. and then in december right after that we had another very heated argument over the it almost makes you laugh at this point, but at the time it was so deep. I wanted to wear a purple shirt to church, and I was the organist, so I was visible up there mm-hmm. with a purple shirt. She knew I'd be visible. And it was in support of the ordained women movement, mm-hmm. which I'd been reading about and, and supportive of. And I so much wanted her to be part of that because she, up here at the University of Utah, when we went to college, those many years ago, she was a feminist. Mm-hmm. And over the years, she she Lost changed that. to be the Molly Mormon, mm-hmm. and it, it was baffling to me that that she didn't support that ordained women. She just absolutely closed her mind off to it. No, we don't do anything except what the brethren say. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, here I'm a brethren. Will you listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> but she wouldn't. But she wouldn't. <laughs> In spite of you know those temple covenants which say follow your husband. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I, I, oh yeah, oh that that day that I blew up over that thing, I I can't even remember at this point. It'll take me a minute. I did. I wore the purple shirt, played the organ, and it was as flashy as I could be. 
up on the organ <laughs> in my very limited way. And she was very upset about it. Very. Oh, very, very, very upset. But at that point in our marriage, I was learning to... I have to admit this, which is hard for me to admit, but I used her snoring to just sort of get away from her. Mm -hmm. So we slept often in separate rooms, but okay. I said it was the snoring mm -hmm. when it really wasn't. It was <laughs> me just wanting to be away from her. And So the third thing that happened was her brother died in January of 2013. He was my age. I'm, she was a little older than me, and, I, and he was my age. And he died of alcoholism and depression, really. He died in his recliner watching football. And when that happened, it just bumped something in me that said, I cannot come home every evening, sit in the recliner, and die. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And that prompted, gave me enough courage to finally come out. And... It was this ex-college room uh, friend of mine who I came out to. He was the only person I felt comfortable with saying anything to. He, we had known each other here at the University of Utah and spent so much time together mm -hmm. going through a very intense master's degree program in architecture mm -hmm. where you spend hours and hours just 24-7 in an architecture studio doing intense work. Mm -hmm preparing you know models of buildings i built a skyscraper for downtown salt lake here and it was so fun i'll have to show you that i don't think i've shown it to you dude very very intense and because we were both hidden in the closet gay mormons with okay. families we actually our families did many things together so we you know he was already out no no oh, he okay. was in the exact same situation i was okay hidden we were both hidden but we both could feel even back then the strong attraction. Neither of us would admit it though. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then. And he he was such a really a good friend over the years. Mm -hmm. My wife didn't like him, and so my wife would always push me away from him. Okay. But he would call me occasionally, we'd talk, you know, he was here, I was up in Washington, and it, it was nice to have a friend. And so as I evaluated who, who I could tell to come out to, other than an email to Carolyn Pearson, which she was so kind to read. I mean, she probably gets a billion emails from these hidden gay closeted Mormon men. She, I emailed her about 2012, I think it was. And she was so kind to email back and just give me encouragement. So she was the first person I came out to, really. But this college friend of mine, I came out to and he was still in the process of coming out himself but was a little bit further advanced in the process than I was so he, he kind of led me through that and I immediately fell in love with him mm -hmm. fell in love it was like a puppy love it was like someone you fall in love with in high school that's the kind of relationship it was puppy love and oh goodness from there everything spun out of control I tried to do everything all at once, come out, divorce my wife, separate, get a new apartment. Still trying to hide at work. I didn't want to come out at work. Tell the kids I, I took, let's see, the, after that Valentine's Day, that very Sunday, I went to each of the kids individually. They were all living in Richland at the time and just told them, you know, I did it. I wanted to get it all quickly done. I thought you could do it quickly. <laughs> and you can't. I found One out. Week. I did it all alone. <laughs> and how did it go? It, it was great for me. Was it? That's good. But it just, you know, I needed to get done. <laughs> I know. thought I could, but I, it, it wasn't. I, but it didn't work for you. It didn't work. Because I, I just didn't give myself time to think it through. And I'm a logical person. Mm -hmm. And I, for the first time in my life, was living on feelings, mm -hmm. which was, it was fun. Uh, and exuberating, but oh, it, it just doesn't sustain. It, it, my brain couldn't handle it. My brain went cuckoo. When the first week, that Sunday after I told the kids and I was up there playing the organ, my wife came up and sat by me. Mm -hmm. And I was still, you know, putting my hands like, don't do this. She said, I need, I need someone. I'm like, well, whatever. I rolled my eyes and 
I don't want to be your emotional support anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was her. I was her father. Is what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. So things things progressed. I I tried to develop a relationship with this college friend of mine, the best I could. But I don't think either of us. I certainly wasn't in a position to start a relationship. Talk about on the rebound. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah, I wasn't in a place at all to do that. But he was the first man I kissed. Okay. I had never kissed or touched a man other than, you know, you hug your bishop or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up in the psych ward on suicide watch. Very deep suicidal thoughts in large part because not only could I not see a way out, I had been told, and I took all of the teachings of the church very literally. Mm-hmm. When I heard a general authority say, in the afterlife, it will go away. Your gayness. I'll be straight. I was like, fine. That works perfect. I'll just quickly get out of this life. Mm-hmm. Be done with all of this pain. And uh, that was very, very intense, you know, as the only solution to all this emotional pain. And in the psych ward, I I swear that was the best thing (laughs) that I started to learn about myself. How to look at yourself, start doing stuff to take care of your emotional self, your emotional health. Mm -hmm. No one had ever, I mean, the concept didn't even... I never even heard of it, that you could take care of your emotional health. So it was really, it was like going back to college. I, I, stu- I was there in the classes that they held in the psych ward, and I was like the student again, the perfect student, which I loved being in college because I could, you know, suck in the information. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to suck in this information. Make m- This time, this time I'm going to focus on myself, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it work. Come out a perfect person. I'm going to come out a perfect person, yes. (laughs) And it was good. I I learned a lot. But then I ended up in the psych ward again after a second boyfriend that I hooked up, not hooked up with. We we actually wanted to have a relationship. And God, he he was going through the same thing thing that I had already gone through. He was in the process of divorcing his wife. He had Mormon kids, one Mormon daughter on a mission, and the relation, all of the same stuff was coming up, and he was not in an emotional position to do anything either, so he he really had a nervous breakdown on our way from coming to visit my parents, and here we are. David, David and I are visiting my dad for his 80th birthday. There'll be a big family reunion. Mm-hmm. I am much more emotionally prepared this time. But <laughs> I ended up in the psych ward in St. George. We'd flown into Las Vegas and were driving up to mm-hmm. see my parents. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time, he, he went berserk. And I went berserk at the same time. Mm-hmm. He was suicidal and, and said, let's drive the car off the road and get rid of this pain. And I... Oh, again, I fell into that. Ah, My mind did not know what to do. And I drove straight to the emergency room of the hospital, got out of the car, walked into the emergency room and told him to off. He was just, go away. (laughs) Yeah. There was nothing else I could do. I I know that probably hurt him. Well, it did. But I, I... I but had for to your take psyche, care you had to or my I was I said I'm going to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm I know enough that I can take care of myself. Yeah. So go away. And again a week in the That was good so, self-care though at that moment. That was the healthy and the, right thing to do, no doubt. And yeah. that's exactly what the the doctors there at the psych ward said. Oh exactly. Yeah. You did the right thing. And and I did. Mhm. I saw, I remember driving after he said that we were going through the Virgin River Canyon, mm-hmm. you know, the windy road, the gorge, and it's like, but I saw the hospital sign, you know, the, yeah. the blue mm-hmm. and the white cross, and I'm like, okay, I got to focus on that, focus on, on that, uh, and I'll, 
go straight to the hospital. I did drove straight to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So much irony in this situation was that my mom was at that same hospital that I was in the emergency room at about the same time because she had some heart problems, not a full heart attack, but she was having heart stuff done and we were going to connect up and have lunch there in St. George. And there she was in the same hospital. It's just so, so much of an irony in life. (laughs) Wow. So I'm going to ask a question just because I know people are going to ask or want to know this. Okay. You came out to your whole family pretty quick. Yes. To the to the world, yes. except work. You kind of want to keep that reserved. Me, I was so done with lying that I just had, to, for my own self-awareness and just to help me, I just had to get it out to everyone and be done. I didn't want to have to say who I had told, who I hadn't. I just like, mm, boom, and I'm done. You know, I didn't go on Facebook and blast it, so I didn't do that, but I just talked to people. You talked to your kids. This is what I know people are going to want to know. How did your kids take it? Obviously, they were adults now. Yeah. Well, except my youngest daughter. She was 16 at the time. Okay. So how did each of your kids, because you talked to them each individually? Yes. Yeah, I made, an appo- I made an appointment with them on that Sunday. I just scheduled a, you know, an appointment with each of them. Uh-huh. Let's see. Michael, my oldest, was married, so it was with both him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And then, let's see... How did they take it? How did Michael and Heather take it? Michael and Heather took it well. They they were loving and supportive from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. they're active in the church? They're very active okay. in the church. So yeah. they took it um, well? My my son, second son, Nicholas, was married at the time, and they had just one child. How did they take it at the time? They took it very well. In fact, I felt like Linnea... David pops in here because he knows all of them now. Obviously. And um, Linnea really wanted to, to bond with me. She, she talked about watching Glee together, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, good. I have a friend. I have an, an ally yeah. in her. But that relationship, and because she was close by, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I felt like I could bond with her. The, the Mormon thing came into play. Both her and her husband, Nick, my son started to have these conflicting ideas, even from the very beginning, as I think about it now. They initially accepted They initially it. were very accepting, and then were like, ooh. Then we, the gospel. Then the gospel went says, to church. That's right. That's exactly started sinking right. in, and they're, and they're conflicted of like, exactly. okay, how do we deal with this? And Exactly. And that relationship with them, at one point, became, they wouldn't, wouldn't let me see their kids. They had a second child, and I wasn't with anyone. By the way, I guess to make the story complete, after the first psych ward visit, I went running back to my wife because I didn't have anyone else to run back to. Mm-hmm. And I I made an earnest and sincere effort to, to make it work. But at that point, I was, not only was I out and gay mm-hmm. and knew what it was like <laughs> sexually and emotionally, and how wonderful that was, I'd also determined that I was not going to be Mormon at all. And she was okay with that, thinking, oh, he's he'll, the, gospel he'll is, the gospel is so wonderful that he'll come around. He knows how wonderful the gospel is. Mm-hmm. But while we were back together trying to make it work, I resigned from the church, and I didn't tell her. Mm. When she found out, which she found out because I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> how much? <laughs> yes, how silly is that? <laughs> yeah, how ridiculous. Anyway, she was completely upset. But again, she went back to hope, uh, it just the, the deepest of hopes that mm-hmm. we'd stay together and... And she believed it too, that I would be changed up in heaven. That was what she always... You know, that's fine. You know, <laughs> you'll be straight up in heaven. And that hurt the worst. I think of all the things, it was thinking that she she didn't like me the way I was. She didn't like me being gay. Mm-hmm. That was what hurt, really the deepest. In my, me, the basic person I was, she really didn't like me. She liked some vision of 
of what I was. But in reality, your wife was a very strong, forward woman. Yes. And through your coming out process, you became strong. And you changed, and you made some decisions. And she was seeing that. Yes. And so she was seeing, oh, he's just not this gentle giant that always agreed with me and just went along with me. <laughs> Who can and, do whatever I told him to do. Exactly. And, and so sometimes that's a hard thing because they do see that change. And it's hard for them to accept because they've been with you for years and they know you. Just same with my ex. She struggled really hard for six months with me because she's like, you are not the same person. I'm like, I am the same person. I'm just being who I am now. I'm not hiding. I'm not lying. And so really, I did change. I was being my true self just as you were now being your true self. And so that is very hard for... Uh, and I Yes, you're speaking the foremost. You're speaking responses. the truth, and 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 what's neat, I guess, about life and how it develops, is that now that I've gone through that about five year process, mm -hmm. I feel now like I am integrating my old self because I really was a good person and I like myself. I mm -hmm. I like being kind and I like being happy and gay. <laughs> But the term gay fits me perfectly because I, so, I like being happy. So I'm going to put something in here. Um, you liked your old self. I don't think your old self left. You, it was it still did there. for a time. It you, seemed like it did. You might it have gone like through a did. depression, but I think it was because of new things coming into your life. Your old life was still there. You just didn't know how to put them together. And obviously that came together because you got out, you were able to... Yeah. Start doing things, start to repair, and maybe you had a, a downtime, you had to go back in, but you came back out, and you're moving on with life. Yes, yes. So I'm going to circle back real quick. The rest of your kids, how did they take it? Let's see. Kenzie was married at the time. She's my uh, first daughter, the third of the kids. She and her husband, when I sat them down, Kenzie I'm really close to because we did a lot of music together. I, mm -hmm. I'm a played piano, accompanied, and she sang a lot. So I was very, very close to her, and she, I felt a lot of love, really. Uh, her husband, Sai, has a gay uncle, mm -hmm. and that made it easy for him to accept, which yeah, no his uncle was a convert to Mormonism, mm -hmm. too. Sometime we'll have to talk with him about that. They live far away in West Virginia now, so we don't get to see him very often. Mm -hmm. Then my second daughter was at uh, in Rexburg at the time going to cosmetology school mm -hmm. and we had to tell her by phone yeah. and she just couldn't handle it she cried and felt like I had lied to her she felt very betrayed mm -hmm. by me and so my my ex-wife Renee drove to Rexburg from Washington over to Rexburg mm -hmm. to be with her and and spend some time with her, which worked out good. And for a little while, Sarah and I emailed back and forth until she she came back to Richland. And she's, I, w I was glad that she would read my emails, and I mm -hmm. tried to explain to her. So eventually she settled down. She went to BYU Hawaii and found this beautiful Samoan man. Mm -hmm. Talk about jealousy. He was just... Then he danced at the Polynesian Cultural Center, shirtless. <laughs> and then Annika, 16, she uh, kind of went through a phase, too. She was in high school at the time and knew many, many gay... She was in theater, so she knew a lot of gay kids. Mm -hmm. Even some some high school kids who were Mormon and had come out and, and were, you know, planning on being the celibate same-sex attracted mm -hmm. Mormon guys. But she related well and seemed to understand. But then she went through kind of a depression, too, related to some other issues. But she's come around, too, now and is just loving so and accepting. So in the end, some struggles with a couple of the kids. Now? Now, it's wonderful. It, all of them completely. It's, it's all great. Of them. And his one son who... At initially, 
the second son who mm-hmm. initially had some issues with the Mormon had, church. Had some issues. Yeah. Just well, I had some initially. They both really accepted it. Then the church doctrine mm-hmm. got into their heads, and they wouldn't even let him see the kids. Yeah. But since then, he his that son is the only one that's left the church. And now they both, we go and stay with them. They both adore both of us. And so all five of his children have completely come around. Awesome. And it's so awesome. It totally so is. So this this is a, a unique interview because I've, I've never done an interview with a couple. Mm. You know, so this is, my the co-host has done interview with uh-huh. couples, but... This is the first time me doing the one with the couple, so I'll make a comment at the end, which I think that you guys will appreciate it. But now that you know that you're married, when you were getting married, did all of your kids come? They, Kenzie and her husband wanted to come, but circumstances didn't allow them to. Mm-hmm. Nick, the second son who has left Mormonism now, he was right in that trans faith transition at the time, uh-huh. and he decided to come. And and so, his oldest son, and Michael. my oldest son Michael, and his wife came. We, and and Annika came. And Annika came. That's so true. three of the five Annika's children the were there. Yeah. It was Sarah. Awesome. Let's see. They they were they did write an email to me saying they didn't feel comfortable. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were the only ones who were took the church doctrine yeah. and said, "Okay, we can't support." And David's Mormon brother, same thing. It was like um, the he came actual for the, marriage. He came for the reception, mm-hmm. not, not the, the ceremony. ceremony. Yeah. Well, but his okay. but his wife and daughter came <laughs> for the 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 both, ceremony both. and reception. Mm-hmm. So Mormonism, Mormonism, yeah. yeah, Mormonism. <laughs> the main thing is that they all love and accept us now, and they allow us precious time with their the grandchildren and and the main thing like I stated earlier is that they really all love and adore their father and that's beautiful yeah it's just beautiful it, it seems like just with the normal conversation during this this interview that things have come around sounds like you and your ex-wife get along well yes we she we wanted to have a friendly divorce and I thought it would be but she yeah, went through an angry phase and, and didn't communicate with me for a long time. But okay. yes, she's So she's come around. She's come around. The divorce we're we're to the the getting closer to the end of the interview ish. Okay. But I still want to ask this question okay. because this is something <clears throat> that, you know, all gay men go through when they you know, that were married, once married. You said it was a rough, you wanted it to be nice, this divorce process. Was there anything that stood out in the divorce that just well money is still an issue we, we still even though we sort of settled you know the spousal support issues thankfully the kids were all grown and we didn't have to deal with any of the, that that would mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. but I was very generous at first in the spousal support then I lost my job which is a whole nother story about being gay in a very conservative community mm-hmm. Because it related to being and having gay. a new Mormon boss, yes, that fired him because he was gay. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Although yeah. I'll, I take responsibility for the thing I did, which was send a sexually explicit email from my work computer to my boyfriend at the time. Oh. So anyway, the spousal support issue is still we're still negotiating it, and that's a little bit touchy. Wow. Okay. Washington has an easy divorce situation that we didn't even have to hire a lawyer. There yeah. was a waiting period, but I I wrote it all up. We, you know, negotiated back and forth the house and whatever other things we we had. The debts we're still paying one debt off. But overall, <laughs> in general, it's pretty smooth, and yes. we're both very grateful that his ex-wife met a very nice man and has remarried. That makes it a lot easier because one thing that was very evident to me in getting to know Kevin and observing a lot of this process Mm -hmm. and, of course, being told about it is that his ex-wife, Renee, was deeply in love with him Mm -hmm. and never wanted this to happen. And she would have done anything in her power to 
make it not happen, you mm-hmm. know. But I think the fact that she's found someone helps it to be more, helps her to be more accepting of the whole situation. So now, is she married now? Yes. So then why is there still a financial issue then? Because if you because were paying, the divorce, if her, you were paying alimony, uh, the spousal support continued. It's still invested in because we were married so long. I, I was married 22 years. That's true. You said 22 years. I have alimony. Uh-huh. I have child support. Mm-hmm. I have two years left of child support. I have many years of alimony, unless my wife gets remarried or cohabitates, because that is the way the law is. Yes, and, and, and that is the normal way. It, it's funny that it was her father who I have, a, I mean, he came to our wedding. Her and, father and, and stepmother. And yet, and yet her. Her father and stepmother could not go to her wedding because it was a temple marriage. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the, the irony there is just deep. But what I'm saying is he, knowing the situation, said <laughs> Renee, even when she gets married, deserves some of what you have. So it's a percentage of my net income that lasts. And she gets a percentage of the pension, which... That one is open to interpretation, too. I mean, I don't know how your pension situation worked out. Well, based on the fact that she did stay at home for 29 years and raise five children, and I think... So she gets a percentage of the pension and a percentage of money, even after she was married. Well, But we're... Thankfully, I have to say this. Thankfully, she's been willing to renegotiate that, and that's what we're in the process of renegotiating now. Wow, because, see, I, I... Um, I understand that my ex stayed home, but I also worked two and three jobs so that she could stay home. So I did Mm -hmm. my part in that also. She didn't uphold her end in doing what she was supposed to be doing at home. But I did not agree to, if she gets married, it continue. I'm like, no, if you get remarried, then is that your husband's job, not mine? So that's... I understand completely. I, I, I do. Well, part of it is she married a guy from Australia who has a very large pension in Australia. Mm-hmm. But with him coming over here, he loses a good part of it. <laughs> he is, I mean, not to justify it or anything, but it's much better than it was. And, that, and really what feels good is that at least we can talk. I, I feel like we're talking like adults with mm-hmm. my wife now. When the divorce... When I first started it, she went into this angry phase, and I, I couldn't even communicate with her. And that was very difficult to, to negotiate the anything at that point. So, All right. Well, we're going to um, wrap up the interview part of it, and we're going to move on to the Fabulous Five. And so there, there are five <laughs> questions, and they're very fairly simple. So we'll get into the very first part. First question. What is the best part of being gay? The best part of being gay is touching a man and not feeling like it's a sin. Okay. So the sex is fun. Mm-hmm. And that, that and, and but yes, just to look at him and know that he's mine is just an, a joy. I mean, mm-hmm. it just thrills you. I, literally, every time I touch him, I get this thrill. <laughs> and that really comes a lot from your religious background growing up. That's very it's been so. embedded in you to be able to say that. Hard to shed. It's hard to shed that years of shame. All right. Very honest, simple answer to that one. That was very good, though. Number two, what has been the most surprising part of coming out? The most surprising really was that I did not expect the emotions. I thought I, I, thought I knew emotions, mm-hmm. but I did not. I, I had no idea how strong emotions were. Mm-hmm. Anger, anger, just, I, I had no idea that, that my anger could be so strong. So that was, that was... That's important what he's saying because he had hid his feelings and emotions, clammed them up for so long, mm-hmm. pretending he was someone he wasn't. And, I mean, even when I first met him, Without going into all the detail, and we, me and a group of friends with him sat for a couple of hours talking. To me, it was very obvious in observing him that he was all pinned up. Mm-hmm. His whole presence said, you're tight, 
keep everything in. It was, you know. Yeah. So anyway. Awesome. I mean, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Number three. This one says, how is your relationship with your family different now? Like, example, kids, siblings, parents... Well, we explained with the kids it's really good. I, yes. I, wouldn't, I would say it's still based on a love and, and really nice. My siblings, it's hard, and I think that's one that I, I sometimes want to develop the relationship I had, for example, with my brother. I have a younger brother who I was very close to. We talked politics weekly. I mean, he lives here in Utah, so it was usually a phone or an email or something. Mm-hmm. But he, he could not believe I was gay. He... he he called which brother, my, which uh, one? Brian, the okay, one that lives right. in Brimsey. He and David hasn't met him. We're going to meet them all at a big family reunion. Yeah. So I, I, that was hurtful, you know, to have him withdraw. But to to me, real quick, this is where I will jump in. To me, from my observation, this is where the influence of the church and its, I would say, the false premise that it's based on, you know, the. And the, 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 the prejudice and the, the, the hatred it almost unknowingly encourages people to have. It says, you're wrong to be who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like saying to a, a straight woman or a straight man, um, young lady, it's wrong that you're attracted to a man. There's something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Young man, there's something wrong that you're attracted to a woman. That's wrong, and you should feel bad about that. That wrong premise of which it's based on and that it teaches people, that's the only thing that's keeping any distance between any of his siblings or is, is I would say, the fact that the what the church is professing mm-hmm. is true, is completely untrue. And out of that untruth, it creates this and this pain and this suffering that that well, promulgates itself, and and it's not just the Mormon Church. That, Absolutely, it's, it's a lot of organized Christian religions that absolutely that, because their basis is in marriage is heterosexual. I mean, I I love the this part in this movie that just came out called Love Simon. Yes, and Love Simon in that movie he states why is the norm heterosexual right why is it that gays have to come out why can't straights have to come out yes and they do this whole little segment of straights coming out to their parents or their friends i like guys or you know this girl saying i like guys or this and it was so funny in the movie but you know what? It's so true. Exactly. You know, I, I've seen a, a video that was on YouTube that was put together about why is the norm heterosexual? And it's because it's been around for a long time. And, and there's more of them. And it's just quiet, you know? So. Is that one hour? No. Okay. So. Yes, for sure. Point well taken. It's not just the Mormon church. Yeah. But, but it still is a part of the church, and 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 it's the, the, true from my perspective. It's the only thing I see standing in his siblings' way of being as close to him. Like if he was still a member of the church and living his other life, there would be no distance between them. You know, it's true. I. I have gone into many conversations with people that are still very active in the Mormon church. And I, and I don't, I never like to really attack a religion or put it down because it's not, you know, I believe that everyone has the right to believe how they want to. If they want to pursue religion, that's fine. But one of the things growing up is everyone always follows the prophet. What the prophet says is, is law because he speaks for God. And I and the one thing that I have that I have told fellow, you know, Mormons that I you know, fellow mm-hmm. co-workers that are Mormons, I says, you know, the church has accepted the, the you know, they, they've changed their policy that it used to be that they you chose to be gay. You, you right. chose to be that. And that's now, how it was when I was growing up. Yes. And now they have accepted that being gay is you're born that way. That yeah. it's been proven you're you know Absolutely. and they've accepted that. Finally. Finally. 
this is what I've told my Mormon friends that I says the church needs to do a better job in teaching its members to actually forgive and forget old policies. That's the old way of doing things. We don't do that anymore. And when you're still doing that, you're now sinning because you're judging, which in the Mormon church, judging is only for God. We're not supposed to judge. No, you've said it very beautifully. I I don't like, you know, and I say that, you know, because I don't like to put down religion. I really don't. I try to be very positive and support everyone in their beliefs. But when someone, you know, I've had people ask me and I've shared. And so that's, you know, one thing that I would say in that way, the church could do better, which would help family relationships within the, the gay culture or gay relationships dealing within a religious group where there's, you know, families that part of the families are religious still. And that's not just the Mormon church. It can be the Catholic church. It could be any church that has those policies. So, all right, well, let's move on. Number four, (laughs) this one is a little different. So this one might make you think a little bit more. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Do you wish you could have handled any part of your coming out process differently? Oh, absolutely. I don't need to think about that one at all. They're, they're, as, as I've talked with, you know, people who are going through the same situation, even just now at the affirmation conference I was at, uh, you know, a, a man who's going through similar stuff right now, I would definitely say, take it slower learn more about your inner emotions and maybe some gay men do but I certainly didn't I, I did not know enough to take care of myself feel inside watch and, and it's funny because Mormonism really does tell you a lot about your feelings mm-hmm. and to to you know that Holy Ghost type thing is really feelings but anyway for me yeah go slow it's, it's okay to go slow mm-hmm. or fast, like you were saying. If you're confident and can do it, but be aware of yourself. I think the, the most important thing of what you're saying right that now is do what is most comfortable for you. But make sure before you do that, you're prepared for the outcomes that will happen. Yes. Or possible outcomes that might not happen that you be prepared that things can go more than one way so yes yeah yeah well that's that's interesting good (laughs) the last one question uh, number five says other than the obvious kids family partner what things in your life bring you the most joy well you know that it's it's the same things that always did from the very beginning music music brings me the most joy mm-hmm. and it always did drawing and painting Draw, yeah, I was just going to say beautiful that, yeah. artist yeah. and and the creative things of art yeah those still bring me a, the biggest amount of joy yeah okay that is awesome now i i told you you know obviously that there's the fabulous five there is one more question that I do ask everyone that's not part of the Fabulous Five, and that is, you know, we've just spent the last hour just discussing your your life and your coming out process and, and this, you know, really just a, a wonderful experience that you've gone through. And obviously this is a podcast, so we're going to put this up on the internet and people are going to listen to this story (laughs) and people are going to make a connection and they're going to say I I need to talk to Kevin I have questions that you know I am going through this very same thing and I I need to talk to him I I just need to see Uh, I'm happy I'm happy to do that it feels good to share the story and and be of help. That's part of the reason I went to affirmation, knowing, you know, that there are people going through pain. And if I can help, oh, I'm happy, happy to do it. And I did 
meet the one fellow who I. But is that the last question? Is it or no? That is the last that, question. That is, oh, yes, and I knew, I knew, me, I knew yeah, the answer. Would, I, oh, I knew yes. the answer would be that because you obviously most people who want to do an interview are already in that idea that I want to give back yes. to the community. So yeah. I knew that would. So if you are interested in reaching out to Kevin, just email us at podcast at gayfathers.org and we will get your information to Kevin and he will reach out to you. Again, thank you for joining us on the Gay Fathers Podcast. Thank you for your time, Kevin. Thank you, Ross. It's been wonderful. It's been fun. It's been wonderful having you here uh, and doing this interview. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Gay Fathers Podcast and we will see you around. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gay Fathers Podcast. Subscribe to get alerts for each new show. A special thank you to our guests, hosts, and all those behind the scene that make this all possible. Want to share your story or have questions? Reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org.